Hi friends, welcome once again to tomorrow's Tune In Podcast. I am your host, as always, Chris Marshall, and this is show number 14 for the month of November 2008. Today on the show, we've got a fun interview with our old friend Eric Nolan Weathington. Eric, of course, heads up our Modern Masters series, and today we focus on volume number 19, which is on the subject of Mike Plug who I know is a longtime favorite of many of our listeners out there. Also, at the end of the show, Eric and I talk a little bit about Alan Davis. And you may or may not know that Marvel is releasing the Captain Britain Omnibus by Alan Moore and Alan Davis later on in March of 2009. And as a matter of fact, Alan Davis was the subject of our very first Modern Masters book here at Tomorrow. So everything comes kind of full circle. Not much in the news this month, so be sure to come by the blog and subscribe with your favorite RSS reader to stay on top of all the latest and greatest over at Tomorrows.com. And of course, you can get sale prices on many of our items through our website. So let's head over and look at the upcoming books for this month in November of 2008. Starting us off Wednesday, November 12th, we'll have right now number 19, 80 pages for only $6.95. Right now, number 19 is a special Batman the Dark Knight issue featuring the great photo cover of Christian Bale as the Dark Knight. It features Dark Knight and Spirit Executive Producer Michael Uslan on the writing process for the films, Denny O'Neill on adapting the Dark Knight movie to novel form. We also feature a Brian Michael Bendis script and Linnell Yu pencils from Marvel's Secret Invasion number one, very popular going on right now over at Marvel. Mystery Comics writer Max Allen Collins discusses his career and upcoming projects. Mark Miller has a script and Brian Hitch has pencils from their run on Fantastic Four. Dan Slott has a script and also Steve McNiven has pencils from Spider-Man's Brand New Day. Inside information on DC's online Zuda comics imprint from Ron Peraza. Alex Grecian talks about the making of his image series Proof, which that's very popular too, and a whole lot more. This book is always edited by Danny Fingeroth. And when you order the print edition from Tomorrows.com, you also get a free link to the digital edition, which will be on the confirmation page of the checkout. But if you just want to get the digital edition, it is available for only $2.95. Coming out Wednesday, November 19th, we'll have back issue number 31, 100 pages for $6.95. Back issue number 31 salutes the comics and animation career of the late, great, and groundbreaking writer Steve Gerber, beginning with an in-depth look at his most famous creation, Howard the Duck. Also featured are Gerber's Gruesomes, Omega the Unknown, Gerber in the Marvel Universe, an offbeat superhero work from Defenders to Fool Killer. Crazy Magazine, Metal Men, Mr. Miracle, The Phantom Zone, Sludge, Nevada, Hard Time, and the animated television favorite, Thundar the Barbarian. Plus an all-star lineup of comics and cartoon creators pay tribute to Steve, featuring art and commentary by Frank Bruner, Rich Buckler, Gene Colan, Michael Golden, Stan Lee, Paul Levitz, Pablo Marcos, Val Mayrick, Jim Mooney, Marty Pasco, Mike Plug, Dave Simmons, Roger Siffler, Walt Simonson, Ron Wilson, and many, many others. And Howard the Duck turns barbarian in a cover painting by Frank Bruner. 
The editor for Back Issue is Michael Yuri. Also coming out later in November, we have the Hawkman Companion. And if you guys recall from last month, I talked to editor Doug Zavisha about this book. It is slated to come out on November 21st, and it will be 208 pages for $24.95. Then on Wednesday, November 26th, we have Modern Masters Volume Number 19, Mike Plug, 120-page trade paperback for $14.95 by Roger Ash and Eric Nolan Weathington. And let's get right to that interview with Eric right now, and I'll catch you back on the flip. All right, we're back once again with Eric Nolan Wellington, and he is spearheading the latest Modern Masters volume, which is volume 19, on Mike Plug. Eric, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Excellent. Uh, let's just get right into it. Let's uh, talk about how this whole book came about. I mean, obviously, Modern Masters is a great-selling series for Tomorrow's. Uh, what made you want to choose Mike Plug? Well, um... You know, he's already been on my radar. I've always enjoyed his stuff, especially, um, you know, we kind of, re- he'd been out of comics for a while, and he came back a few years back with, at Crosstune with the Abadizad series with James Mattis. And I thought that was just a great little series, you know, you know, something kids can really get onto. And, you know, I've, I've always been a fan of, um, juvenile fiction. And, um, I thought this was a great little project that, you know, all ages could read. And, uh, so that got me kind of interested in Mike again and put, put him back on my radar as far as the books. And uh, he was just happened to be out in, in at the San Diego Con last year, and I stopped by his table and talked with him and um, often asked him about doing the book, and he said yes right there. So uh, that was that. And he, we started started making the plans for it. Now Mike is primarily known for his really his horror work on Werewolf by Night and Ghost Rider and Man Thing. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that work and how it's represented in, in the uh, Modern Masters? Oh, sure. Well, there's a whole chapter of, of, on his time at Marvel in the 70s. Uh, that was, that's really the bulk of his comic book work was, was in the 70s. Um, you know, he started out um, actually with Warren. Uh, that, that was his first comic book work uh, after leaving TS Magazine, um, which he worked with at uh, worked on with, with uh, Will Eisner. And... Um, I guess we should backtrack this a little bit because sure. he started. He started uh, on his first magazine work was his illustration work was with actually Leatherneck Magazine, which was for the Marines, which he was a Marine for a while. Um, and with, because of that experience, uh, he was able to hook up later on with Will Eisner doing PS Magazine for the Army. Uh, for those who don't know, PS Magazine is uh, basically a, a maintenance manual for uh, Army personnel. But they used cartoons to kind of help convey the instructions. So because they found that visual information teamed with the uh, the words of how to do things really uh, helped people get a better grasp on how to do it, do the job. Um, so you know he would do illustrations in the Will Eisner style, and uh, because you know it was all kind of reflecting around around Will Eisner's work. What his team did there for the PS Magazine. So uh, when he left PS Magazine for various reasons, which are explained in the book, um, he started looking around for other other things to do. So, uh, he wanted to go freelance. He still was working freelance for PS Magazine, doing things. But he wasn't on staff anymore. And the first person that came along was uh, Jim Warren. Um, 
doing the black and white thing. So he did uh, three stories for Warren before he actually got a, got a job at Marvel. Um, so again, horror stuff. So that's kind of what he had to show Marvel, and that's Marvel at the time was just coming on with these uh, the horror books. They were just just beginning becoming popular again because of the loosening of the color code restrictions. And so, uh, actually, the first thing he was he pitched to them was a western. And they, some of the people kind of liked it, and they didn't get a real good impression that they were going to hire him for it. So, uh, but then Roy Thomas came in and said, "Hey, I really like that western. We got something for you. Um, do you want to do? We have this uh, werewolf creature. Uh, actually, he, I think he offered him two different things, and he decided on the werewolf. And uh, so he." Uh, Marvel, I believe it was Marvel Spotlight. I have the, all these Marvel fill in the blanks titles are kind of run together after a while. But I think I believe it was Marvel Spotlight where Werewolf by Night first appeared, and he did those first few appearances and did a few, the first few issues of the of the Werewolf by Night regular series. And then uh, he just kind of jumped around from horror book to horror book. He went from uh, Werewolf by Night to uh, Ghost Rider, which he created the look for Ghost Rider. Uh, he he created the design. It was based based on the old Western character, um, the jacket and everything. Was, mm-hmm. it was based, he based it kind of on the, the Western character, what Ghost Rider from that Marvel did in the 60s. And then, you know, he jumped on Frankenstein, Monster on Frankenstein, and Force Man thing. We had a few issues of that. Uh, and then uh, he did some stuff with the Black and White magazines as well, but then also uh, one of the Black and White magazines he worked on for a while was Planet of the Apes, which is Kind of along that horror. He said he basically it's like anything hairy he had to draw. You know, he got to start drawing the hairy characters um, after Werewolf by Night. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of the bulk of his his uh, product for for Marvel uh, in the seventies. And, and he didn't have really long runs on anything except for probably Planet of the Apes. He was on that for quite a while. But uh, you know, it was just like a year here, a year there. And uh, so, but yeah, he made uh, quite a name for himself with with doing those that horror stuff. Now, before and after Marvel, he was heavily involved in television and animation. Yeah. And in the late 1960s, uh, I'm reading that he even worked on the uh, the Batman and Superman shorts on TV. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, after that, oh, go ahead, go ahead. It's funny how he got involved in Hollywood to begin with. Uh, he he grew up on a ranch um, when he was a kid, and then he moved out to California. And he, as a teenager, he was uh, looking for something to do uh, to earn some money. Uh, got involved with this, this horse ranch. Well, the, the interesting thing about that horse ranch in particular was that they provided horses for Hollywood shows, TV shows, and movies. And so that's how he got involved with Hollywood through was through uh, being an animal trainer. Hmm. And uh, one thing led to another, and you know, I thought he started getting into the art side of, of, uh, of TV shows and, and movies. So by the time he, uh, uh, then he took a break and went into the Marines uh, before he got into the art side of the, of the movies. Uh, but he had always, but he did have, but that, that, uh, that was crucial for establishing some contacts within the industry so that when he, once he became an established artist, he was able to get into, um, into that aspect of, of storyboarding and, and design for, for movies and television. So he did, uh, you know, lots of things. Uh, he worked for Ralph Bakshi on a couple of things, uh, Wizards and the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, 
and then he's been on he's done several movies over the years um storyboards and designs like John Carpenter's The Thing, uh Little Shop of Horrors, uh, uh The Witches, uh, the Royal the Royal Doll adaptation and uh let's see, Return to Oz. He's this uh he he's even got a he even worked on Michael Jackson's Moonwalker video. Uh, yeah, how did that all come about? Do you have a background story on that? Michael Jackson liked his art and contacted him specifically to to, to work on the thing, uh, work on the work on the on the video with him. Huh. And uh, so he was basically the art director for it, and um, almost actually had a, an old screen role in the video, but uh, they decided to use Joe, Joe Pesci instead. But uh, but yeah, he, <laughs> I've got actually got a picture of him in his uh, outfit that he wore for the screen test for the Moonwalker video. And that's uh, in the book? book. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, we kind of dressed up as a gangster-looking kind of guy, but uh, but yeah. So yeah, he's done just a huge amount of work over the years, um, and we've got some. I've got, actually got a lot of storyboards. Actually, another another project he was involved in most recently uh, was Shrek, uh, the, the first movie. Really? Uh, he worked on that for probably a year and a half, two years before he left. Um, he left. He actually left the production before it uh, got was finished because um, it was just taking too long, and they were changing producers and. Change the directions two or three different times, and he's kind of going to burn out on it. But uh, but yeah, we've got a lot of Shrek material in the uh, his original Shrek designs and things in the book too. What did he? Uh, he was at Crosschen and Malibu for a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Malibu, I believe, was just a just a one shot thing. He, he worked on um, after working on with Steve Gerber on Man Thing. Uh, Steve Gerber created a character for Malibu called Sludge. Which was, you know, he was kind of man thingish, but not really. It, you know, it's a slime monster kind of guy, but different type of origin, different types of, and very different type of motivations. Um, but uh, he might he got in tight contact with Mike, and they, he might drew a a special, a Christmas special uh, with featuring Sludge. So that was, that was his uh, foray at Malibu. But uh, the um, Cross-Gen series was out of that. Fortunately, they, they weren't able to finish the book um, because Cross-Gen folded mm-hmm. uh, right, right when they were just getting getting into it. So uh, they really only had three issues before it was canceled. Um, but then, you know, Disney bought the property, so it's still alive, and they actually went back and released it as um, books, which were kind of mixed-media books. So it's like some text pages, some full-page with some full-page illustrations, and it reprints some of the comic pages. And they kind of go back and forth between text with illustrations and comic with storytelling. Uh, it was a very interesting, interesting format. They did two collections of it, you know, um, continuing the story just a little bit farther than where they had gotten in the comic series. But uh, I guess they didn't sell quite well enough for them to continue to, to finish off the rest of the series. So the series is still untold, but uh, hopefully at some point they'll be able to finish it off. Uh, they're still hopeful about that, so... Now, how much involvement had did Mike do for your Modern Masters book? Well, you know, the usual interview. Um, mm-hmm. He's over in England, so we weren't able to do you know face-to-face kind of stuff very much. But uh, uh, he's been living in England for quite a while because actually he's done more movie work in England, well, on shoots in England. A lot of the productions uh, he's worked on to film there. Uh, so he actually uh, spends most of his time in England. And... Uh, so, but yeah, we we had a lot of conversations. You know, he, and he sent me you know, a lot of his art. He 
has a whole lot of stuff on, on file and everything. So uh, it's basically the typical uh, a typical uh, amount of uh, cooperation. You know, they send me their, much of their, a bunch of their art, and you know, I, once I get the layout, I send them that to him to look over, and he approves it and everything. So it's it's, 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 it's been pretty involved with it, but not super. You know, not heavily involved, but uh, but uh, yeah, he's been really good about uh, getting me what I need. So that's the main thing. What kind of extras do you have in this book? I see on the solicitation that it's got uh, discussion of the creative process that he uses and uh, a bunch of rare unseen art. What can you tell us about that? Well, um, well there's a lot of the stuff that you know just people haven't seen because it's Hollywood stuff. I mean, people just haven't seen that stuff because it doesn't get published. You know, <laughs> right. um, there's, there's a ton of that stuff that uh, is. is Completely unseen by people outside of the production company, um, and there's a lot of sketches that uh, that haven't been seen outside of uh, you know, just a, a couple people that he you know, commissioned and maybe posted it somewhere. But uh, so yeah, there's it's a lot of uh, interesting art there, and you know, bulk of the comic stuff, of course, is from the '70s. So we have got a lot of original art from the '70s, his '70s work in the book, and um, and yeah, we do talk about his his. Uh, his process quite a bit, um, but there's actually, I think my favorite part of it is actually just hearing some of his stories. He's a great storyteller, you know, not just in, with with comics, but with just his speaking, talking to him, and uh, they they laugh a lot in this interview. Uh, Roger Ash did the interview, and did a really good job. Uh, he also did the Walt Simonson book with me, and um, he did a really good job with this, and he was very thoroughly researched and. Talk about every little aspect of there'd be a lot of things that you never knew about Mike Plug in, in this book, um, and a lot of little behind the scenes stories. That's a real funny story with Jim Warren and um, <laughs> about about Mike asking for a raise with Jim, and Jim, of course, being a notorious uh, penny pincher uh, when it comes <laughs> to the magazine. When it came to the magazine, but uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of little fun stories, I and mean, there's a lot of laughter in the book. You know, he's, Mike's a very jovial kind of guy. So, what can you tell me about the cover? Uh, the cover is a painting he did, an old painting he did, um, about ten years ago or so. Uh, hadn't been published anywhere, and uh, I asked Mike if he had anything. He didn't have time; he was too busy to, to do a new cover at the time. But uh, before I needed the solicitation material, so I asked him to look around and see if he had anything that he hadn't been, hadn't used, and found this and said, "Oh, that'd be great because you know it's got it's really creepy. It's uh, you know these monsters." Unfortunately, it got cropped just a little bit. So um, some of the material at the bottom, uh, you, you see these footprints walking through, human footprints. I'm, only a little bit of that I got on the on the, on the cover, but mm-hmm. uh, it implies that you know some some human had walked by there recently and probably didn't get very far. Yeah, it's um, like creepy yeah, it's and nice, funny all the same nice, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice nice creepy wall painting that uh, he did that really captures the whole uh, what people love about Mike's work. I think so. And uh, can you tease us as to, uh, Mike, well, really, what Mike is doing nowadays in 2008? Well, he's getting more back into comics. He's um, with the new. He's not real happy with Hollywood right now, with the kind of movies that are being made, mm-hmm. and so he's become less interested in doing work in Hollywood. And uh, so he's been getting more back into comics. And uh, you know, saw Stardust Kid not too long ago, and 
he did an issue of Spirit not too long ago with was uh, written by uh, Sergio Aragones and Mark Avenir. And uh, he's there's more comics upcoming. He's uh, he'll be doing some stuff for DC and uh, possibly some more stuff with James and Mattis as well. So um, you, you'll see some more of his work, if not by the end of the year, then certainly next year you'll see quite a bit of his quirky comics again. Now, when you say that he doesn't, he's not really into Hollywood, is that just from what his personal experience is, or he doesn't like what Hollywood is producing, or... The well, comic yeah, book adaptations, about, or what? It's more about the the process that's going on in Hollywood now. It's, yeah, it's become so much more corporate and um, and things like that. He talks about that some as well in the book. Um, just his feelings on the way things have gone in Hollywood. And uh, he used to have. He said it was much more fun. It used to be you know, back in the '80s when he was really heavily into, into Hollywood. Um, doing those productions in, in England were, were a blast. The, the English crews were, were great to work with, but now even it's even that Hollywood has kind of spread over and infiltrated the British systems as well, so it's not even that much fun there anymore for him uh, creatively. Um, and it's more about you know, the creative aspects of telling the story is, is what he's all about, and that's why he loved Hollywood so much. When he was doing it, it was very collaborative, but he was able to still get his creative, creative ideas across and now it's it's just not he just can't get it get those he's, his input doesn't have the you know he doesn't have as much input anymore you know when he when he works on this on the film so he's kind of uh, moved away from that a little bit yeah because I think the superhero movies are have really taken off and oh yeah he, know, he worked on know. he worked on a couple of those uh, he worked on the first X Men movie a little bit mm-hmm. um, what was the other one he worked on uh, oh, there's another one he worked on right around the same time as the first X-Men movie. And he said he didn't care for working on that at all, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, he said it was the worst, the worst experience of his, of his career. So, oh, that's uh, too bad. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of ironic, but, uh, you know. Well, is there anything else? you want to wrap it up here? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, should be. I'm just finishing up now, and we're waiting for Mike to re- approve the last few uh, last couple of chapters, and then we'll get it off the press. So it should be out uh, next month. And um, then we'll have Kyle Baker not too long after that. Um, hopefully by the end of the year it'll be out too. So uh, yeah, the Kyle Baker one looks kind of fun. What else is uh, coming out? After, can you tell us what's coming out after Kyle Baker? After Kyle Baker, it's uh, Chris Sprouse. Okay, that'll be out. Pro- I think we moved it to February, and then we have uh, Mark Buckingham in uh, March, and then uh, Darwin Cook for June. Oh, fun. Darwin yeah. Cookman would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Darwin's a great guy, and uh, got to hang out with him some in San Diego this this summer, and uh, yeah, it, it'll be a lot of fun because Darwin's very outspoken, and and uh, and all the guys actually that I've got coming up, Kyle Baker is you know very outspoken kind of guy. He'll tell you exactly what's on his mind, and Chris Brouse is was um, the interview's almost all com- mostly complete now, and so I've read about over half the interview now, and. Um, uh, Todd Dezega is working on that one with me, so he's doing that interview. But uh, he's he's very he has some very in, in, good insights in that one too. And, and I know Mark Buckingham. I, I spoke with him, and uh, we haven't started those interviews yet. We'll probably start that pretty soon. And you know, he's another guy that uh, has a real good thought process with, with his work, and uh, we'll really get to, we'll get into that a lot with his book. Um, so yeah, the, the next few interviews I, I sh- I'm really looking forward to, to doing. It's uh, good. Very hey, guys. I can mix the guys. Looking back at the very first Modern Masters was Alan Davis, and uh-huh. you probably saw that Marvel is going to release the uh, Captain Britain 
Omnibus. Oh yeah, yeah. Which uh, what? Uh, how how are you excited about that book coming out from Marvel? Oh sure. Well, it's about time. I think um, really, you know, I've got all that material already in various forms, but you know, it's hard to put those Captain America magazines, yeah. <laughs> those British magazines, um, in the same box. You can't put them in the same box with your with your comics and everything. But uh, yeah, so I've got all that stuff in various forms. A lot of it's been reprinted. I have the uh, my favorite material of that actually is the stuff. Uh, the Captain Britain stuff after Alan Moore left, uh-huh. when James Delano took over for a little while, and then Alan Davis was doing the writing and the art um, kind of at the very end. Uh, that's, that's a great story, and uh, that's really where Alan went from being a, a newcomer to a really good talent. I mean, you can really see his art develop dramatically uh, during that run. And uh, at the, by, by the time he's done, you can see... Alan did. You can see, it's not, he's not quite 100% where he is now, of course, because he's grown more since then, but you can really see his, uh, <clears throat> his characteristics of his art start shining through kind of by the end of that run uh, before he comes on Excalibur. Well, I'm glad that Marvel decided to put Alan Davis's name on the book, writing it with Alan Moore. So well, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, because you can't really have one without the other in that run, but Marvel could have easily just done, you know, Captain Britain by Alan Moore for the you know, because Alan Moore is such a big name, and the Watchmen movie is coming out, and everything that he does. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, I'm sure that's why his name's on there. Even though he he probably of, of that collection, he probably wrote only you know, maybe a third of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Alan Davis drew all but two issues that are going to be in that collection. So, yeah. yeah. So that'll be and, fun. And, that and Alan Davis is uh, exclusive to Marvel at the moment still. So. <laughs> oh yeah. They, they should treat him nice. You know, oh, he's, yeah. he's one of their guys right now. So. Good deal. So if anybody out there wants to learn more about Captain Britain and they're going to plan on picking up the Omnibus, pick up Modern Masters Volume 1, which is still available over at Tomorrows.com. So, Eric, hey, thanks for uh, coming on the show this month. No problem at all. Anytime. Okay. Talk to you soon. Great. I want to thank Eric again for joining me on the show this month. He's a great addition to the Tomorrows team that we have here, and he's always welcome to come on the show at any time. So thanks a lot, Eric. Again, my name is Chris Marshall, host of the Tomorrow's TuneIn Podcast. And be sure to check out my other podcast at the Collected Comics Library, the Comic Book and Trade Paperback Podcast, the only podcast solely dedicated to news, information, and reviews on all, all sorts of comic book collected editions, including DC Comics Archives, Modern Masterworks, Absolutes, that Captain Britain Omnibus coming up, uh, a whole lot of graphic novels, and a whole lot of other hardcover and softcover collected edition favorites. You can leave me questions or comments at collectedcomicslibrary at gmail.com. And be sure to come by tomorrows.com for all the latest and greatest that we have to offer over on the website. And as always, we welcome your iTunes reviews. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you in December. Bye-bye.